Father, I pray that that would be our heart attitude this morning, that we would just surrender our all to you. And as we look into the word of God this morning, I pray that our hearts would be tender to the leading of your Holy Spirit. I know that your word is alive. And it's powerful and it's sharp and it cuts into our hearts and it reveals the truth of who we are. It reveals the truth of who you are. And so this morning, as we look into it, I pray that you would mold us and shape us into the people you want us to be. Thank you for the privilege that we have of opening the word of God and listening to you. So meet with us, continue to be present and leading as we look into your word this morning. In your name we pray, amen. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I'd invite you to grab it and and just uh, look at at. Deuteronomy chapter 8 with me, if you want to flip in your Bible to there, that's where we're going to be this morning. Uh, when Tom was mentioning the, the uh, Celebrate Recovery, he forgot to mention that it is at the Admin Building, so if you are interested in that, it's Thursday night, it's at the Admin Building, and uh, you can also uh, give him a call if you need more information about that, but that's, that's where that will be. So we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 8 this morning. And uh, we're going to be looking at most of that chapter, so if you want to just kind of grab your Bible and open there, that would be great. Let me give you a little background to the book. Remember, we finished uh, Numbers last week, and we're we're talking about the whole story. And as we go through all of the books of the Bible, that's what we're going to be looking at is the whole story. In Deuteronomy, we're going to be talking about the fact that it's life or death. It's life or death. And the decisions that we make each day... Uh, really affect life and death, not just for us, but for our immediate families, for the folks that we hang out with, that we live life with. And whether you've thought about this or not, it's actually life and death for the next generation that comes behind you. And that's what Deuteronomy is setting up. And Numbers was 40 years of the nation of Israel wandering around the desert. And they're wandering in the desert because they sinned against God. God led them out of Egypt, not because he wanted to discourage them in the desert. That wasn't the whole idea. He led them out of Egypt because he was taking them to a promised land. He had a place for them. And last week we talked about this, that God leads us always to a destination. It's, it's not just about the journey. It's not wandering around in circles and, and living life, although There's character issues that are developed. There's all kinds of wonderful things that God does in us during the journey, but he leads us to a destination, and he was doing that with the nation of Israel, and and they decided that they knew better than God, and and the promised land wasn't going to be that easy to take, and so they said no to God, and God goes, all right, fine, because of the hardness of your heart, this generation will never see the promised land, and so they wandered in the desert for 40 years. And we hit the book of Deuteronomy, and that young, those young kids that came out of Egypt, those little kids that were, were walking out of, the, out of the land of Egypt are now adults. And God is now ready to take that group of people, that generation, into the promised land. And, and, and we open the book of Deuteronomy, and there they are. They're, 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 they're by, the, by the river, and they're getting ready. They're looking across at the promised land, and God is setting it up. He's getting ready for them to go into the promised land. Now remember, this was a promise that was given to Genesis a long time ago. The Lord said to to Abram, go from your land and your relatives 
and your father's house to a land that I will show you. He'd made a promise a long time ago, and and if you remember from Genesis, we said that God is always the promise keeper. God doesn't forget his promises to his people. And the promises that are in the word of God that have been made to you, God has not forgotten them. He will keep those promises, and he's doing that with his people. He's getting ready to fulfill that promise. And Deuteronomy, the actual meaning of the word Deuteronomy is, is it means the second law. Now, it doesn't mean that God took the first law and, and that law is no good anymore and he's making a second one. What it means is he's repeating or reminding them about the law that he set. Mike talked about it in Leviticus. Any of you ever need to be reminded about anything? Yeah, okay. We all need to be reminded, all right? Some of us just don't want to put our hands up because we never put our hands up. I'm one of those people. I forget. I forget important things. I forget. You know what? It it amazes me. Foolish songs that mean nothing stick in my brain. And I can quote songs that I learned when I was four years old that have no meaning at all. Actually, I do it. My kids are like, where did that come from? But important things I forget. And God knows that about people, and he knows that about humanity. And so Deuteronomy is a reminder of the laws of God for the nation of Israel. And these laws are super, super practical. And they have a lot to do with how people live life with one another and how they get along with one another. And they have a lot to do with the character of God and what it means to please God and to honor God because he's a holy, just, and righteous God. And it has a lot to do with how we should live life in light of who God is. And so Moses is going to take some time to reiterate with these people the law that God had established. This new generation needed to be reminded because they are just like us and they forget or they choose not to remember what God... Did you notice the difference there? Because here's what happens to us. Sometimes we actually forget and then there's other times that we choose not to remember what God said because it's inconvenient or we don't like it or it might kind of cramp my style a little bit. And Moses knew that, and so he's going to remind these people. One of his reminders is actually found in Deuteronomy 6. Let me read these verses to you. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your strength. And then in verse 11, 7 7 and 9, he says it this way. Repeat these to your children. Talk about these covenants or these commandments, these laws. Talk about them when you sit down in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up and bind them as a sign on on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and and on the city gates. He says, look, these laws, these commandments are so important that you need to memorize them. And, And that's what the Jewish people did. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. They memorized that. They said it multiple times of day. It was, it was what was the backbone of the nation of Israel. They all knew that that's who they were and what they were supposed to do. And really, it's the backbone of Christianity today. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. 
know God and love him. And, and that's what Moses is going to do with the people of Israel. He's going to say, remember, this is the God who loved you so, not, so much. He heard your cry in Egypt. And he sent someone to save you. He loves you. And now in return, you need to love the Lord your God. It becomes the confession of our faith to love the Lord our God. It was so important that Jesus repeated it in the Gospels. You remember the story, right? One of the Pharisees had come to him and said, Hey, God, Jesus, what is the most important commandment in all of the Scriptures? And Jesus said, Look, this is the most important. Listen, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. And so way back, God establishes that with his people. And then Jesus reminds us in the Gospels, he says, look, it wasn't just for the nation of Israel. It's for all people, for all time. Love the Lord your God with every ounce of your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Wouldn't that change what we're facing, the unrest in our world today? If that's what people's, where people's hearts were. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your, your soul, your mind, with everything you've got. And then love people in the same way. There's no race. There's no creed. There's no color. There's no language barrier. Just love the way God loves, the way Jesus loved you. It would change everything, wouldn't it? Well, that's the beginning of this, this whole statement of it's life and death. It starts with our relationship with God and knowing who God is and loving Him the way He intended for us to love. There is so much found in this book of Deuteronomy that is a great reminder for us today. And I kind of throw a little challenge out to you. Grab this book and read through it. Read slowly. There are so many practical ways that we should relate to one another, that we should care for one another that are found and established in this book. I've been listening to it over and over over the last few weeks, and it just it amazes me how many little principles are found in this book. And if we had the whole day, we could cover some of them. Three thoughts this morning. That's all I'm going to do, okay? Three thoughts found in Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's life and death. It's life and death. These things matter so much, it's life and death. Thought number one that I want you to grab is this. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, and it's this. Know God and know His Word. Know God, like not N-O God, okay? But know Him. Come to know Him. A relationship with Him. Know God and know His Word. Let me read these verses. Carefully follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and take possession of the land the Lord swore to your fathers. Remember the Lord your God led you on an entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness so that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would... Keep His commands. Know God and know His Word. Follow every command that He gives you. It's impossible to follow the commands of God if you don't know them. (laughs) Right? 
It's impossible to do something that you don't know. It's, it's impossible to figure out how to apply it to your life and to your family and to the events that happen to you at work if you don't know, the, if you haven't learned it and internalized it and put it in your heart, you can't do it. And that's why Pastor Mike and I talk to you all the time, over and over, until we sound like a broken record. Grab your Bible and read it every day. Get to know God. Get to know what He has to say to us. Hide it in your heart. Memorize it. Put it deep down inside of you so that you know and understand the commands of the Word of God. He starts this in in this little book, in chapter 5, with the Ten Commands. And they're so simple. They're kind of the, the lowest bar of goodness, if you will, right? I mean, think about it. Think about the Ten Commandments. Have one God and only one. Don't make idols. Don't misuse God's name. Rest. Honor your parents. Don't kill. Don't have sex with someone who's not your, your spouse. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't want other people's stuff. They're, 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 these are not difficult. But boy, are they hard. Right? We struggle with them. But if I don't know the law, the commands of God, then, then how do I please Him? How do I live for Him? And there's a couple of things that happen when I learn and I know the Word of God. Number one, if you look in, those, in that passage of Scripture, knowing the Word of God brings humility in my life. Because I get a true picture of who I am. I don't know if you've looked at yourself in the mirror lately. I didn't look close enough this morning and I had a lot of scaly skin on my face. And my wife's like, you're not leaving like that, right? I'm like, no, of course not. But I hadn't looked in the mirror. I didn't see that. And often we don't look in the mirror and we don't see what we really are like, right? In our hearts, in the heart of hearts. Have you stopped lately and looked in the mirror and saw what's really going on inside? You've realized who you really are. Hey, folks, you'll not get a proper picture of who you really are until you're reading the Word of God. And the Word of God is the mirror that you're looking in because now you're looking at truth. And truth will reflect what's really going on. And I'll tell you something, folks. If you do it very often, it brings humility. Because you know what I realize is I'm not as good as I'd like to think I am. I don't really have it all together. My thoughts are not always what they ought to be. My heart is deceitful. And I deceive myself often. The mirror of the Word of God brings humility because it shows me who I really am. But you know what else? You know how else it brings humility? It shows me who God is. <laughs> it shows me how great God is. You want to fix in your life? You want to fix for how you're viewing yourself? Read Isaiah 40. Just, just take a little bit of time and read Isaiah 40. Realize how great God is. Spend a little bit of time in, in the first 20 chapters of Psalms and, and realize how great God is. It gives me a proper picture of who God is, and so it brings humility in my life. Reading and knowing the Word 
reveals what's really in my heart. That's what this verse says in Deuteronomy. It humbles me, and it reveals what's really going on in my heart and my life. Second thought I want you to catch this morning is found in chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Let me read them to you. Keep in mind that the Lord your God has been disciplining you. Remember the 40 years in the desert. This was discipline on the nation of Israel for saying no to God. He has been disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. So keep the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. The last 40 years were a result of your disobedience, and I am disciplining you to bring you back on course, to take you down the road that I really want you to go in. Parents, that's what discipline is for your kids. We live in a society that says, no, let them do their own thing, go their own way. They'll figure it out. It's a lie. It's a lie from the devil. That's not true. Scripture says this, that we discipline and God uses discipline in our life to keep us on the road that we need to be on because our nature, the nature of our heart is to sin against the character of God. We are born with that sin nature. And so I want you, the thought this morning is this, and this may not, you may not agree with me, but it's okay, I'm right. Discipline is good. Kids, you may need to write this down. Discipline is good. God was using the events in the wilderness to drive deep into the hearts of his people the result of their sin. And God uses the same thing in our lives to catch our attention and to draw us back to the place that he wants us to be. Look at these verses in Hebrews chapter 12. He says this, And and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he punishes Every son he receives, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time. You ever, ever remember being disciplined saying, yes, this is so fun. I love it. Spank me again. I never said that, and I got a few of those, probably more than I want to remember. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields Look at this. It yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. If you remember the two passages I just read, Deuteronomy passage and Hebrews passage, when God is writing these words down, he immediately says this, if you have children, you will discipline them. It's it's assumed in the passage. In Deuteronomy, he says it. He says, look, you're going to, as a, as, as a person would, would, would discipline their son. In Hebrews, he says it, because you are my son, I discipline you. Because you are my child, I discipline you. So parents, one of the signs that you love your children is that you correct them, that you discipline them. One of the signs that God loves us in Hebrews, he says this. He says, the sign that I love you 
is that I'm going to not let you wander off and hurt yourself, not wander off and make decisions that not only hurt you, but hurt your family and hurt the people that are are close to you. I'm not going to let you live in that disobedience. I will discipline you, and I will pull you back where righteousness and the fruit of God's love will become evident in your life. Discipline is good. Hey, you may want to get that tattooed on your arm. You may want to put it on your mirror so you see that in the morning or maybe on your steering wheel. Discipline is good. We all need it in our lives. We need God to discipline us and to help us stay on the path that he intended for us to be on. God uses discipline in the, in the lives of the Israelites to put them in the promised land. He uses it in your life and in my life to develop our relationship with him to the place where we trust and love him the way that we ought. Discipline is good. Think if the nation of Israel was not willing to be disciplined by God, they would never have come to the place of trusting him enough to fight the incredibly difficult battles that are coming up in the next next book. They're going to go into the promised land and they're going to face an enemy that is so much larger than them. The enemy seems so much stronger than them. And the discipline that they had in the wilderness taught them to trust God and that God had their back. God had their best interest in mind. And as they go into the promised land, they need that trust. Folks, the same is true in our life. When God disciplines me, it helps me to understand more and more about His character, and it brings me to the place of trust. I trust Him. I trust what He's doing in my heart and life. Third thought I want you to remember this morning as we go through this, and it's exactly that. It's remember. Remember. Look at these verses in Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting at verse 11. He says it this way. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep His commands, His ordinances and statues that I am giving you today. When you eat and are full, I think this is so interesting, folks. I don't want you to miss this as I read this. Because he goes on in chapter 9 and he, he broadens this out even more. He's not going to talk about when it's lean, when it's hard. Look at what he says. He says, when you eat and are full and build beautiful houses to live in and your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and gold multiply and everything else you have increases, be careful. Did you catch the warning? Be careful. That your heart doesn't become proud. And you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the place of slavery. See, here's what happens in our lives often, folks. When it's really, really tough, we look to God. God, help me! (laughs) I blew it again! Save me! Right? Or when it's really tough, we blame God. God, why did you do this to me? And you would think that as God lifts us out of whatever that is, and he 
and he brings healing to our lives and he helps us and he encourages us and he does whatever it is, we would go, thank you, God. And originally, and on the front side, we do. We go, thank you, God. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for helping me out. I'm, I'm so good. It's like, it's like the moment we got saved, right? Thank you for saving me. Thank you for, for your mercy and your forgiveness. It's all wonderful. And then as life goes good, you notice what happens to us? We get cocky. We get really full of ourselves. Look what I did. I got my life all put together. I got it all figured out. If you lived life like me, (laughs) your life would be so awesome. I'm not really saying that. But that's what happens, right, in our hearts. That's what happens in our attitude. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, God knew that about the the nation of Israel, and he knew what was coming. I'm taking you into this promised land, and when they describe the promised land, it's a land that's flowing with a bounty of of food and and cities, and it's a wonderful place for them to go. And not only are you going to go into this land, but I'm going to divide this land, and I'm going to give you every part of this, like every tribe is going to get their own section of this land. It's all going to be yours. You can do whatever you want with it. You can build whatever you want there. It will be wonderful. And he knew exactly what would happen to the human heart because we are so filled with pride. That after God saves them time and time again, their heart would become wicked and full of themselves, and they would say, look how great we are. And so God, in Deuteronomy 8, says, before this even happens, I need you to remember that it is me. I am God. I am the one who walks you through all of this. I am the one who will give you the victory. I will provide the energy. I will give you everything that you need to go into the promised land. But remember, it's me. It's not you. And folks, the same is true for us today. This is no different. The food that you eat today is not you. It's not from you. It's from God. The house you live in is not from you. It's from God. The money that you have, it's not from you, it's from God. The stuff that you own, it is not yours, it is God's. He blessed you and gave it to you. Everything that we touch, feel, have, eat, feel like we own, it all comes from the hand of God. Remember, remember. Don't become proud. You didn't do it. You're not that good. I'm sorry. Neither am I. It was and is all God. Always. Always. It's not me. If you were looking to chapter 9, God takes these thoughts even further, and I'd encourage you to read it. Read it sometime. All of the major things in our lives come from God. We don't do it ourselves. Remember, it is all God. Living out the truths that we've been talking about this morning, knowing the Word of God and having it in my heart, remembering the truths about who God is, 
knowing that discipline is good in my life, these truths are all life and death, folks. They either draw us, if we live them out the way that we ought, they draw us closer to the person of God and we become more like Him. But if we choose not to and we do our own thing, we're drawn away from God and our lives become miserable. And what we do to help others and to encourage others in their walk with Christ, we don't do it. We don't live it. Because we become all about ourselves. It's life and death. Moses wraps up the book in chapter 30 this way. Let me read these to you. Chapter 30, verses 19 to 20. He says this, I call heaven and earth as a witness against you today. Let me say this. This is Tim. I'm echoing Moses. I call heaven and earth as a witness against you today. I don't, I don't mean that as a curse. I mean it. I want you to understand it. That's what he's saying. And I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, love the Lord your God, obey him and remain faithful to him, for he is your life. And he will prolong your days as you live in the lands the Lord swore to give to your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Folks, this morning, choose life. Some of you have been playing a game with this. And you've been flirting with life and death. Oh, you're a child of God. You're a Christ follower. You gave your heart and life to Christ. He forgave you of your sins. But you've been flirting with life and death. And during the week, there are times when you get up and you choose God. And you say, yes, this is it. This is life. And I'm going to apply the principles of the Word of God to my life. And I'm going to keep His commands. And I'm going to live for God. I choose life. But as the week goes, something happens. And maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's, maybe it's something you find fun. Maybe, maybe it's an attitude problem that you've got in your heart or in your mind. And instead, you choose death. And you choose to give in to whatever that is, and you say yes to it, and it begins to eat you from the inside out. Now, here's the problem with that. It doesn't just affect you. It affects your spouse and your kids and the people you work with and the people that you live life with each and every day. But the choice is yours. Life Follow God and His righteousness and His mercy and His grace and give in to His love or death. You get to choose. You get to choose. And I'm asking you this morning to choose life. Because the effect of choosing life isn't just in the here and now. It's not just that it makes me feel good and I get a relationship with God. Folks, choosing life is generational. If you look in the book of Deuteronomy and you follow it, it says this, that the sins of the father are passed on to the third and fourth generation, but the blessings of the father are passed to a thousand generations. 
If I choose life, if I, Tim Knowles, choose life, guess what? My wife is affected, Pam's affected. When I get out of bed and I choose life, she's affected for the whole day. And those two, I mean, kids down there, they're affected. They're affected. All day long they're affected when I choose life. But if I choose death, if I choose to live life for Tim, they're affected. And you guys are affected because I interact with each and every one of you guys. This morning, I choose life. And it is my heart's desire to each and every day choose life. Would you as well? Father, would you give us the strength? Give us the courage. to learn who you are, to know you so well that we choose life. And in every situation that we face, some are going to be ugly, some are going to be hard to get through, some, there's going to be misunderstandings, there's going to be people issues that we don't want to be part of, but help us, God, in the middle of it all to choose life. And I claim the promise that you gave that if we choose life, the blessings of God are not only on us, but everyone who's affected and influenced by us. Help us as a church this morning to, to, to choose you, to choose life. In your name we pray. Amen.